Welcome to San Diego Sessions. We're here today with singer-songwriter Sharon Dubois. Listening to San Diego Sessions, San Diego's jazz podcast, featuring local artists, new releases, and more. Here are your hosts, Ian Tordella and Ed Kornhauser. Hello and welcome to Season 2 of San Diego Sessions. We're coming to you live from Dirty Boulevard Recording Company, or almost live, that is. I'm your host, saxophonist, composer, and intranational man of mystery, Ian Tordella. And I'm your other host, Ed Kornhauser, pianist, composer, and intranational recording artist. And we're here today with singer-songwriter Sharon Dubois. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for being on today. And we're going to check out her new album, Into Light. But uh, again, we're here every week and we're talking about jazz in San Diego. We're giving you an inside perspective, our, our incredibly biased personal perspective on the San Diego jazz scene. Yes, and you can follow us and learn more on Instagram at San Diego Sessions Podcast and follow us on Facebook too. Well, before we get into Sharon's album, I have our usual segment for the top of the show. This is our bit called This Versus That. These are two musicians or public figures of note, because those could not be the same thing. Yes, two, na- two names enter, one name leaves. And Ed Kornhauser is going to pick one and only one. And feel free to jump in, Sharon. Okay, we got some bass players and some saxophone players. First up, Los Angeles and New York-based electric bassist Tim Lefebvre versus legendary, iconic San Diego saxophonist and West Coast jazz legend Gary Lefevre. Oh, that's interesting. Both those names are, present severe challenges when looking at them on a piece of paper. Uh, they're easy <laughs> to I? say, but I, I'd have trouble. Um, oh, Tim Lefebvre is awesome. I mean, I've, I've heard his work on so many, so many great like projects, most recently with you know on David Bowie's last record which was super cool. Um, I was fortunate enough to get to see Gary Lefevre and actually play with him a couple of times, a long time ago. He sadly passed and he's left us, but I, I love the way Gary played. And there were certain there's certain players in town, and we've lost a lot of them recently, who older players who were very good and sort of kind of cemented their sound when they were younger. So hearing them is like listening into the past hmm. and getting to hear what that was like in a way. Um and Gary was always very humble and cool with me, and uh, I was actually, I have very fond memories of him. So I'm going to go with Gary Lefevre. All right, Gary Lefevre. And Gary had the great ability to like create counterpoint lines, even on bebop heads, on confirmation or something. He could just play a counter melody, and it would sound great. Hmm. Um, and he a lot of guys do and that. And he always called me Ian. Hey, Ian, what <laughs> mouthpiece is that that you're playing on? That's funny. You, so he was a troll, was like, basically. That's cool. <laughs> he was a troll. No. I like that. He's, he's already a kindred spirit. All right. Next up. Oh, these last ones are both pretty good. Uh, Los, <laughs> oh, really? Los Angeles. If I don't, yeah, <laughs> let me toot my own horn. Los Angeles area bassist, again, and vocalist uh, Katie Thoreau versus uh, famous author Henry David, David Thoreau. Thoreau, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I knew you were going to go with that. I'm going to go with Katie Thoreau on this because she's amazing. Like, her time's incredible. Just to hear her play without an amp, just the tone. She sounds like Ray Brown. She's awesome. And the whole, like, double-headed, I'm going to sing at the same time thing absolutely blows my mind. Uh, if I could share a, a quick sidebar. Uh, when I was a kid, my mom got this gig. Uh, they were going to publish a couple of journals that Henry David Thoreau had kept on a canoe trip at some point Mm -hmm. and they needed someone to transcribe the journals and so we had these journals in our house 
when I was a small kid, and they were his journals with his horrible handwriting. And that was my mom's job, was to transcribe his terrible penmanship. I just remember one of the stories, and I don't know if it made it into the book, was about he was on a canoe trip, and he pulled over, and he was walking around. He walked up to a farm, and he accidentally let the farmer's pig go, and he had to chase it into the woods and down this road. I just imagine this towering figure of like American literary history chasing a pig through like the Northeast. <laughs> you know, we, we could make that into a children's book. And make some money. I know. I think know. they should have they should have siphoned off that <laughs> make, story. Make that story. Okay, we've got a last the last one, and this one is just for you, Ed, because I know you're a huge John Mayer fan. Oh, totally. I mean, you know, his body's a wonderland, your body's a wonderland. Oh, uh, oh. he's really good at oh. guitar. <laughs> so I'm really you. not good at guitar. Okay. Uh drum drum prodigy, uh master of technique, Jojo Mayer versus guitar and uh you know, fashion icon, uh, John Mayer. And we like his hairdo too. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, I've always kind of liked John Mayer. He's very good. He is great at guitar. He's a good, crafts good songs. His band is always amazing. Like Pino Palladino, uh, Stanley Jordan. Larry Goldings is on tour with him right now. Oh, wow. He's got, I mean, he's, and he's a heavy like player himself. His music is always what I go to, but I can, he writes good songs and he, he has the ability to, He's not locked into performing them the same way every time, so he's quite he's a very dynamic live performer. Not to the point where I go out and follow him around, and but I like his stuff. But I'm going to go with JoJo Mayer, nonetheless. Uh, Sorry, <laughs> that I was always, a little bait and switch. I know I always hype up the guy I'm not going to go for in this case because I I do like John Mayer. <laughs> I do. He's funny too. All right, we better move on before I lose any more subscribers with my rambling here. Yeah, same here. Uh, well, we're here today with uh, singer-songwriter Sharon Dubois, and we're here to talk about her most recent album, Into Light. This came out uh, last year, I believe? Yeah, September. Mm-hmm. September like 5th, I think I dropped it. And uh, and the first week it was on iTunes, I took all the do- all the profits and sent them to um, Puerto Rico. That's uh, terrific. Yeah. yeah, that was a pretty sad situation down there, so I thought that was my little contribution. Oh, that's really cool of you. Yeah. Well, thanks. Cool of the people who supported it, too. Yeah. Appreciate that. Well, we're going to get right into a tune. Let's have a listen to Shades of Blue.
And we're back at Dirty Boulevard Recording Company with our guest Sharon Dubois. You just heard Shades of Blue from her new record, Into Light. Yay! Oh. <laughs> that was cool. That was the ta- that was the opening track. That really kind of yeah. grabs you all those cool like temporal changes and. Thanks. So- yeah, that's John Staten's little uh, addition to that. Oh, nice. arrangement. Yes, he's yeah. super funky drummer. So. So who all played on that? Uh, John Staten's playing drums. Kenneth Crouch is playing piano and keyboard. And uh, um, Greg McKinney's on bass. And is Joey playing guitar on that? I do believe. Oh, Joey Corano. No, oh, yeah, there is. It says some Dobro on that oh, first Dobro. track. Oh, Dobro. It must be layered in there. It's hidden in there, a little ear candy. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. guitarist Joey Corano breaking yeah. out the Dobro. Yeah. That's we, a cool ensemble right there. I loved it. Yeah, we pl- we did that at Capricorn Studios. So we, the first part of the project, we recorded, I think, five songs down there. And then we added you know this and that. And then the last four, I recorded with Krista McBride up in L.A. at East West Studio. That's both those are quite heavyweights in their fields. Uh, I know East West Studios is very famous. And then, uh, mm-hmm. of course, Christian McBride is the dude. He's the dude right now, isn't he? he yeah, <laughs> he definitely is. But uh, also getting back to the bass player on here, Greg mm-hmm. McKinney. I know we've talked about the, the Weller family, but the McKinney family mm-hmm. is another legendary San Diego musical family. I think yeah. I said legendary three or four times and we've only just started yes. season two. True. But, uh, oh boy. There's a lot the of legends in San Diego. Uh, Greg McKenney, Stephen or Steve-O McKenney and Greg McKenney Jr. And uh, Greg and Glenn, Glenn, of course, Glenn mm-hmm. McKenney. Wow. All fabulous musicians. Um, dynasty. Although I haven't seen Steve-O in a while, but yeah, Greg is a, such a fabulous electric and upright bass player. Mm-hmm. He's, and, and he's great to work with. Super funky. Yeah, he's, he's a delightful person been a friend for a long time so how did you get connected with all the all the various musicians on this um with greg i was introduced to him through chuck mcpherson do you know chucky he's a oh, drummer course. he's charles's son yes. he's in new jersey now oh um, i didn't realize that he's out there mm-hmm. so he introduced me to greg and his family john staten that was an interesting uh, connection i had my first love in college back in rochester new york um passed away and I was trying to get in touch with the other friends and I got in touch with Andy Irvine and Andy Irvine's a, another funky bass player um, that I went to school with and he was working with John and John's band called uh, On The One and so then we just connect John and I like we're polar opposites but we think along the same lines if that makes any sense i don't know we understand each other in a really great musical way so um he's been on both of my last two albums uh playing drums yeah and for those not familiar with john he's he's done a ton of work with his own groups but also with carl saxophonist carl denson Mm -hmm. so but he's you know people kind of think oh he's a funk drummer because he plays with Mm -hmm. with carl uh, but he's such a versatile drummer and just has such a solid groove. Mm-hmm. And it was great hearing, actually, when I listened to this record, when I was checking it out yesterday, hearing John on brushes and mm-hmm. everything and just <laughs> getting around the kit, you know. Yeah. I haven't heard him live in, in ages, but yeah. it just reminded me, oh, yeah. <laughs> now he's with a band called Pimps of Joy Time out of Brooklyn and another oh, one wow. out of New Orleans called Dumpster Funk. I didn't yeah. know he was with in the... Pimps of Joy Time there, mm-hmm. yeah. They're pretty notable right now. Oh, good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. As deservedly so. Speaking of more heavyweights on this, you've got two other great bass players in addition to, to Greg McKinney. Uh, very different. Uh, you've got Chris McBride, as you said before, mm-hmm. but also uh, San Diego-based UCSD professor, uh, Mark Dresser. Mm-hmm. Master of the extended bass range of the of, uh, or the extended techniques of the bass. Love both of them. Yes. And I it was uh and they're playing duets on a couple of songs. Wow. So that's super fun. Uh like on 
forgive me, please. I, I just envision this choir of basses. I love the bass. It's, I think most singers do. That's what we listen to, to get our pitch, whatever. Um, and yeah, so I, I just imagine this choir of basses. So Christian and I recorded that one in LA and he laid down all these harmonies and stuff for me. Oh. And then um, and then I went up and, and Mark laid down another bass line with his enormous bass. It's like eight feet tall. You know, I don't know if you've seen oh, that. No, thing. I never have. It's amazing. Got, he's got like a, what is it? Would that be a full size? Would that be a technical full size? I think it's bigger than full size. Oh, I don't know. I've never seen anything as huge as that. I know Because I know most basses are either like, is it five eighths or, th- or three quarters at the biggest? Mm. Like you see a guy with a particularly large bass, that's usually a three quarter, but wow. Yeah. And then they both do a duet on hiding behind Jesus doing the devil's work. What I see is what I do Couldn't give that gift to you so both these guys are, are like the top of their fields. Christian must be one of the first call jazz bass players, period. And then Mark Dresser is, well, I don't think I can say legendary again, but he's absolutely, <laughs> he's like the pinnacle of the avant-garde improvised music scene. I mean, he's worked with Anthony Braxton. He's worked with John Zorn. So how did you get these two guys in the same room at the same time. Well, they weren't in the same room at the same time. Uh-huh. So. Oh, it's that's one of those that's studio, studio magic. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I recorded with Christian and East West Studio. It was just he and I. So we did um, four kind of duets, I guess. Um, and then, and then, uh, so we had that track, and then we laid it down everybody else over top of it. So which is tricky to do, like laying drums down over, a, you know, just a bass and vocal track. I think we did have a click there i'm sure we did um and then i went just up to ucsd and mark um laid his tracks over with uh albert Waltower doing the engineering very cool yeah. wow and mark is uh mark is such a like i was mentioning just sort of a master of the extended techniques i i attended a master class of his and it was just four bases but i just went along to see him and all the thing was was him demonstrating how he did all of the all of the strange extended techniques that he uh-huh. employs in both his improvised music and then when he performs avant-garde classical music. I remember he did subharmonics, which uh-huh. blew my mind. I did not know that that could be real, like actually hitting notes below the range. Wow. I just He I just shared made... all his secrets with everybody? I, it was a thing. It was just amazing. It, I mean, not he just it, he made subharmonics look easy. Just Yeah, no he, no one else can do it except for him. It's right. this weird like overbowing thing. Like you really mm-hmm. have to push the bow into the strings and and here comes this low low wow. low note. It was amazing. Oh, love that. Uh, so getting back to the record, uh, you you compose almost all the songs on this this I record. I did compose all the songs. Oh uh-huh. yeah. Did you well, collaborate with anyone on the Daniel them? Jackson no. one? There. Oh, that's oh, true. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yep. Oh, I didn't give my teacher credit. Yes, um, I collaborated with Daniel Jackson on Flux. He asked me to write lyrics to his amazing um, composition, and I was thrilled, and and I did it. So uh, it was that was a interesting. It took me a long time to figure out what the title of that song meant. And it was actually after he died, I'm still learning lessons from him. Um, and he loved using tritones. I know you guys worked with him and he was all about the tritones toward the end of his life. So, um, but I was just like sitting at the keyboard playing the song and then looked at the tritone and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like right in the middle of the scale. Mm. So. I saw it as like being on the razor's edge. You can go left, you can go right. You know, you just don't know where life is going to lead us sometimes. So, and I think he kind of lived his life that way, didn't he? Kind of like, you know, he just flowed along with it. And yeah. For uh, for those of you uh, out there who might not have gotten to see Daniel Jackson, he was a uh, San Diego-based saxophone player and pianist. Uh, long and storied career. I know he used to play with the Ray Charles Orchestra quite a bit. Um dynamic improviser and uh, a, a mentor to many people, mm-hmm. you included. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fortunate to get to play with him very often. It's sort of like uh, I was mentioning Gary Lefevre. It's like listening mm-hmm. to Daniel was like listening to the past. Mm-hmm. Same with uh, like great Joe Murillo, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> they're they've all all three of them have gone on and um yeah san diego was the lesser for not having them but the greater for having had them yes yeah absolutely there's definitely a gaping hole without them as a as a singer songwriter mm -hmm. uh what artists tend to inspire you um jazz yeah. or otherwise sorry. yeah i grew up in canada and on the scene since i was a little girl was a guy named bruce coburn and i'm actually going to go see him in la on saturday and he's so prolific um he's up for another juno award for his 26th album or something <laughs> just amazing <laughs> oh, wow. uh, singer songwriter um so he's very uh he's a part of my psyche i think you know that that voice when somebody's voice gets into your soul i love betty carter uh for her freedom and her like I want to say balls, but I can't. Can I say that? Sure. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> just I'm getting her... out the bleeper. Beep. <laughs> <laughs> just her courage. Her just un. Uh, I want to say unapologetic courage. So free. I love that, and I think that's like what jazz is to me. Is that just the freedom and the the feeling that we get when we improvise, and to have a great um, rhythm section. You know, to to have that freedom to go over is there's nothing like it. It's yeah, wonderful. Well, also with the freedom, and for me, hearing the way your lyrics lay and how they're so poetic, mm. I don't think we can talk about Canada and singer songwriters without talking about Joni Mitchell. Can't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yes, uh, definitely another big you know part of my my psyche. Yeah, the, the, the tune actually yeah. shades of blue. Some of the way you, you phrase some of the melody notes with the lyrics hmm. uh, reminded me a lot of Joni Mitchell. Wow. Yeah, I could definitely hear a lot of that. That's beautiful. It's funny how people's music gets into your consciousness, right? Yeah. Or subconsciousness and just kind of comes out. And not to, not to keep comparing you guys, but also like she's very known for working with amazing jazz musicians mm -hmm. herself like oh jocko yeah. pistorius herbie hancock wayne shorter pat Metheny, mingus mingus <laughs> yes what a great album that was yeah wow, wow. she she is incredible i am mm -hmm. yeah she's she's an incredible songwriter so let's hear another track off this um i think this is the title track into light and, mm -hmm. and uh can we talk about some of the meetings behind that because i think you were t we were talking on the phone the other night. You mentioned mm -hmm. some of the themes that you're exploring with this record and this this track kind of, as a title track probably should, exemplifies that to mm -hmm. a certain extent. Well, uh, there was, you know, Lost Daniel. He was a great mentor, teacher, and was, uh, hired me a lot, so I missed that as well. And then um, we lost Nikki Carano, who's Joey's sister, um, and I worked with her for a couple of years doing duo gigs and... Um, it was really, it's very different experience working with women than with men. And I don't know if you guys have experienced this or not, but um, it seemed like when she and I would work together, there was no leader. It was much more like graceful, organic kind of flow. And I think when I work with men, I don't know if it's my own perception, but I feel like, you know, I, I have to be strong in the direction I want to go because people want, you know, a formula or whatever to follow. Um, so it was really lovely to work with her. And I got to work out all these songs on this album with her. And then she was tragically killed uh, by a tree. Um, I know. It was yeah. two years ago, just a few few days ago, actually. It was mm -hmm. the anniversary. Um, Nikki Crano was a, was a great local percussionist. Um, and dancer. And dancer. And dancer. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, 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 sister to uh, Joey and and Davy Carano, who mm -hmm. are both local musicians as well. I, I think we heard we heard Joey playing on this, and we heard Joey last week on uh, the episode with Harley Magsino. Oh, nice! Um, mm -hmm. And uh, but Nikki was incredible. I got to play with her a little bit. Um, cool. And and Joey together, just sort of some fun little trio. My my mom even did a gig with Nikki a long time ago. Wow! Playing a theater gig. Yeah. Long time ago, but. Uh, yeah. Well, she was an amazing woman. It seemed like she was always moving. There was never a minute to spare in her life. And it, it just seems like, did she know she only had a short amount of time? It's really interesting. But this song um, I had written and we had played it and then she died. And then I wrote the first part of it for her, the hook. Um, and then uh, so we went into the studio with Joey and um, 
Joey Carano and then John Staten and John was playing the cajon. Mm. And it was really an interesting experience because there's so much grief and so much emotion uh, trying to work through it and come up with the concept and communicate, you know, and to like sometimes when we're feeling so much pain or whatever, it's hard to break through that and get to the essence of what we want to do. So it took like four hours for us to finally dive in and and uh, create what we did and i think it's really beautiful i i really love this song a lot and i really love the uh the uh post-production stuff with uh well we'll hear a little bit of that okay. but you added in some effects that yeah. were really cool you are so precious our only possession is love i didn't realize it my love until you had gone Listening to San Diego Sessions. Subscribe on iTunes or listen online at DirtyBoulevardRecording.com. All right, everybody, you heard that sound, and that means it's time for our brand new segment, Talking Over a Bass Solo, featuring Mackenzie Layton on the upright bass. What's up, Ed? What's going on, man? 
Long huh. time no see. Yeah, I know. Long time no see. <laughs> you been busy? Yeah, I just did a gig at Kettner Exchange. We, we were like playing some hot jazz. Uh, like did, Hot Club of France? Like yeah, that kind of thing? like clarinet. Uh, we had John Garner and Joe Amato both playing acoustic or Django style guitar. All those like, yeah, those it like Selma things. Yeah. Those are cool. Yeah. Oh man, I had a fun gig last week. I uh, I drove out to Borrego Springs. I did two nights with the the Harry James Orchestra, that like <laughs> old like swing era trumpet player. It was his legacy band because he's he's gone, but uh, it was fun. It was man, fun. They should conjure him up like Tupac, you know, with the hologram. <laughs> oh Tupac, my god, that would be Tupac. awesome. Tupacs. Yeah. Here's your jazz forecast for February 12th through the 18th. Monday, February 12th. Louis Valenzuela hosts his regular Monday night jam session at Rosie O'Grady's in Normal Heights from 9pm to midnight. No cover, 21 and up. Tuesday, February 13th. The Havana Jam, an Afro-Cuban jam session, kicks off downtown 8pm to midnight at Prohibition. Wednesday, the 14th. Vocalist Leonard Patton presents a 10th annual tribute to the duets of Louis Armstrong and Ella Fitzgerald, featuring vocalist Melanie Charles, trumpeter Curtis Taylor, Ed Kornhauser Piano, Justin Grinnell on bass, and Duncan Moore on drums. 8 p.m. at Dizzy's. The cover is $25. Trumpeter Gilbert Castellanos hosts his regular Wednesday night jam session at Panama 66. Listen to the best jazz San Diego has to offer right in the middle of Balboa Park. Music from 8.30 to 11.30 p.m. Come down early to see the Young Lions play from 6 to 8 p.m., featuring up-and-coming musicians from around the city. Thursday, February 15th. Saxophonist Robert Dove brings his trio to Panama 66 from 6 to 8 p.m. The Doug Cavandal Organ Trio plays at Beret Southern Bistro at 7 p.m. Also Thursday, drummer Dave King brings his trio to San Diego for a debut at the Athenaeum Music and Arts Library, featuring pianist Matt Mitchell and bassist Billy Peterson. Music starts at 7.30 p.m. Online tickets are sold out, but you can call the library at 858-454-5872. Just across town, there's the new Late Night Jam at the Ken Club, hosted by Robert Dove and Ian Buss on saxophones. Music from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. $5 $5 cover, or if you're a musician, you can get in for free. 21 plus. On Friday, February 16th, pianist Mike Wofford continues his month-long residency at the Handlery Hotel in Hotel Circle. He plays from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m., and this week features saxophonist John Rekovics, bassist Dave Marr, and drummer Tim McMahon. No cover and parking is validated. The Friday Happy Hour is a regular series put on by Holly Hoffman, so stay tuned for more great jazz. Singer-songwriter Erica Davies plays at Panama 66 from 7 to 9. Also Friday, bassist Bert Turetsky celebrates his 85th birthday with a performance at Dizzy's. He will be joined by a string quartet. 8 p.m. show, cover is $15. Gilbert Castellanos presents Jazz at the Westgate, an intimate series in the Plaza Bar at the Westgate Hotel. Music starts at 8 p.m. On Saturday, February 17th, Catch Allison Adams Tucker playing Brazilian music at the Westgate Hotel with Stephanie Schmitz, Gabriel Ark, and Emmy Cara. Music from 8 to 11 p.m. And on Sunday, February 18th, Sue Palmer, San Diego's Queen of Boogie Woogie, will be at Panama 66 from 6 to 8 p.m. You're listening to San Diego Sessions, San Diego's jazz podcast. And we're back here at Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. This is season two of San Diego Sessions. We just heard Sharon Dubois' Ocean featuring Christian McBride on the bass. For our listeners, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us at sdsessionspodcast at gmail.com if you have some comments or you'd like to be a guest. Also, if you're out there listening, we would absolutely love it if you subscribed on iTunes and left us a six-star review. Wait, a five-star review on iTunes. Oh, six would be even better. Six, if you can do six. If you can do that hypothetical six-star, six that's where it's at. <laughs> and you can follow us on Instagram at San Diego Sessions Podcast. Now it's time for our weekly segment, The San Diego 7 with Ed Kornhauser. Yes, this is The San Diego 7. These are seven questions 
uh, that we'd like you to answer from the top of your head and the bottom of your heart. Wow. No pressure, I swear. No pressure. Okay, no pressure, top I of my swear. head, bottom of my heart. Just this section of my body right, right here. Right, exactly. I got it, cool. Number one, what's the first thing you thought of when you woke up this morning? Where's my kitty? <laughs> what's your cat's name? Her name is Shanti Belafonte Abalone Dubois. Wow, mm-hmm. Shanti Belafonte. Mm-hmm. Named for Harry Belafonte? Yes. Yeah, nice. Absolutely, yeah. I know. Number two. How old were you when you wrote your first song, and what was it about? 12 years old, and it was a blues song. Hey, I nice. collaborated with my sister, and it was about the dog with fleas. His name was Blue. Wow. Wow. I didn't know what to do. You're yeah. sharp on these answers. Most, you know, <laughs> Most people, yeah, people say, no... what's my first song? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, um. <laughs> Number three, and I'm, I might sound like a complete bozo when I say this, so if I'm just completely wrong about this, just tell me. What's your go-to yoga routine, or does it change daily? Um, it's pretty constant. I start off with the standing positions. I was trained in Indra Devi style, or um, and they, you start standing, and then you do half an hour, and then you do half an hour floor work. So you know we do like um, it's kind of a sun salutation thing, get the blood moving. And uh, I don't know. Do you, you do yoga? So you... I don't. I okay, never so have. you won't know. That, it that's why I said like I don't. I don't. I don't know. I was curious. I'm yeah. gonna. I'm gonna probably start soon. I've yeah. got some serious muscle back back problems. Yeah, it's good for your mind. Mm-hmm. Number four. Mm-hmm. What's something invisible that you wish people could see? Love. That's a good one. I think the world would be a slightly better place. More empathy. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Number five, and this is a throwback, and I hope I'm remembering this correctly. This is a this versus that, kind of like the beginning with Ian and I. This versus that. Joseph Ball or Jennifer Tashik? Wow, that's way, wow, that's heavy duty. How did you know about that? You, we talked about it one time because I had a class with them too. Oh. Um, for the, uh, the, no one's going to know this. They're, uh, they're a husband and wife team mm-hmm. teacher team at San Diego State. Uh, I took an anthropology class with mm-hmm. them. I assume you did too. Yes, many. Yeah, they, they're kind of specialized in ancient Mayan culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember, stop me if I'm wrong, you told me a story where for some exam, you mm-hmm. went and cooked them a meal, a yes. traditional Mayan meal. Yeah, that was a whole grade for, it was, a, um, I started the master's program. And so, uh, yeah, I, I just cooked an ancient, traditional Maya seafood thing. This was before I was vegan. <laughs> ah. <laughs> and he loved it, gave me an A for the whole semester. That was fantastic. When I think of them, I think about he, they were driving down to, where it? it was Belize is where their thing was. And they got in this huge accident. Oh, my God. Um, there were military vehicles on the road, and they flipped, their their truck flipped over, and they were dragged along the road till the, like, the top of the truck like was ripped off, and his head was actually dragging on oh the pavement. Oh, my God. Unbelievable what these people have been through. Yeah, he, he's told me stories. They've told us, us in class, like, they were, they did a whole lecture of the day about, like, looting and, like, various, mm. various grave robbing type things and they mm-hmm. talked about how in one of their like archaeology labs somebody came in one day with a with a gun and killed oh, wow. three of his research wow. assistants three of and then took a bunch of artifacts and left like it's a real oh, thing like they've goodness. they're 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 an interesting couple mm-hmm. i the first day of the of, of class with them they just fought it was amazing oh. you know i never met her but i've had several classes with him i oh, loved him okay. he was great I thought you took classes from both, but I know mm-hmm. I knew. Okay, never mind. Number six, this versus that, and we kind of lit on this earlier. Billy Joel or <laughs> Joni Mitchell? Wow. Oh, sorry. Both songwriters. I had to, sorry. I didn't quite say that in terms. Is Billy Joel? He's not from Canada, is he? I don't. Eh? I don't believe so. I don't <laughs> remember him being. Oh, you could turn that on, can't you? That's funny. Oh yeah, he's a. <laughs> He's so pop, and I think she rebelled against pop, didn't she? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, he um, has some great gems, for sure, of songwriting. I, yes. There's a few I like a lot. Yeah, there's a place. There's a place for pop music, isn't there? You know, yeah. people who aren't Big really... shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
or, or driving, you know, turn on the radio, make uh, make yourself feel a little happier or something. Uh, Joni Mitchell, for sure. I mean, there's so much depth to her and her musicianship. Her guitar playing is ridiculous. Um, and her, yeah, her poetry is, is very deep. Yeah. There's... She is a she's a many faceted jewel. Yes, I'm at a loss for words about and, her. And uh, this is number seven. This is always our number seven, and I already know what the answer is going to so be. Don't be offended. Yeah. Don't be offended. This is this Uh-oh. is something we put on. This is our seventh it takes question. Takes a lot to offend me, but go ahead. Okay, number seven, <laughs> bacon. <laughs> <laughs> you've already you've already given away your answer though. <laughs> <laughs> or. Oh, is there a choice? It's you just want me to talk about bacon? No, it's just bacon, question. question mark. You could interpret that question however you like. Let them live. How about that? Okay. Let them live. <laughs> yeah. All right. That was the San Diego 7 with Ed Kornhauser and Sharon Dubois. So we were talking last night a little bit about labels, and uh, I was just curious. Would you, would you... You've got so many different sounds and influences on this record. Would you categorize this as a jazz record or something different? What, how do you think labels like help or hinder certain style yeah, of things? It's tricky. I mean, I call it evolutionary jazz because there there are so many different influences. And being a singer songwriter, and and you know, Bruce Coburn does have a lot of jazz elements, but he's also got rock and folk, and mm. and that's kind of me too. And I don't, I don't. It's really tricky it's hard i know people want labels and that makes things more sellable and we can fit into a box and and get on uh what do you call those like uh spotify or what's yeah. that other one i don't pandora <laughs> yeah, yeah that thing <laughs> you know and then they know what slot to put you in but um i don't know you know i i i when i write i'm not thinking about oh i'm gonna write a pop song oh i'm gonna write a jazz song it's gonna be a you know 1625 whatever I just write, and sometimes it's like I'm almost in a trance, and the thing comes out of me, and it, mm. it's, uh, and then other times I wake up and the whole song's formed. So I'm not trying to create something specific to fit into a box. Does that make sense? Totally. And what I like about it on this record, it's not just a different tune sound, sound like different styles, but even within one tune, I hear it's like a whole gumbo of different influences mixed up. Uh, which is very cool. And I think that has something to do. It's your writing and the musicians you got together. I agree. Yeah, they all come from a different places, different backgrounds and bring their own elements to it. So I was going to ask you about that. Do you, yeah. do, when you when you bring your musicians to the uh, sorry, when you bring your tunes to the rehearsals or this or the recording sessions, do uh, how much freedom do you give your musicians to change and shape and edit and lots no yeah. freedom nope. no freedom. no like this no i i um i it's so exciting for me to hear what they have to bring in their ideas you know and it's like this whole thing evolves and takes a whole nother shape you know just like that first song we heard with and john added the the time changes, you know, mm. made it funky. That, that was the first thing that, that really caught me about that, too, was mm-hmm. suddenly when it shifts. Mm-hmm. So that was a really cool idea. It just was like, oh, we're taking a left turn now. Yeah. Yeah. I think with the, the bass duets and stuff, it had to be a little bit more strict, and I had the parts written out and stuff. And uh, um, But the other songs like Ocean, and, and then when we go to mix and master, or just mixing, we can take out, drop out different instruments and... Mm. Um, enhance other instruments. It's it's really fun. It's a great and, yeah. and also process. add effects. Like uh, we were talking while we were listening mm-hmm. to Into Light, you added in the the rain and the thunder. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ian, you were talking about like that spring reverb on the cajon, which made you think of mm-hmm. rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I we didn't get into it before, but uh, the drummer John Staten was a producer on this record or uh-huh. co-produced with you, right? Right. And mm-hmm. he just did such a fabulous job, like organizing stuff and doing Mm -hmm. like the layering of the guitars Mm -hmm. if you get into the whole record there's really a initially it just sounds like a a small group with vocals but if you you listen a couple layers deep there's really a lot of cool stuff Mm -hmm. happening within the mix Mm -hmm. that you guys came up with so very creative there's a lot of ear candy in there. Yeah, that's and what I was trying to say. That's a good word. And and just like a little riff by Greg McKinney, right? We dropped everybody else and, and just really enhanced his sound at whatever that bar was, four beats. Yeah, it was it's super fun. 
He started playing when he was two years old and then wow. performing when he was five. Oh, my church. gosh. He geez. said he was too shy to perform before he was five. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I like to let my music, yeah, them just give what they want to give. Spread their wings and fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> See what we come up with. So before the break, we were talking about uh, Daniel Jackson, the pianist, saxophonist, and great mentor to so many jazz musicians in San Diego. But we're going to take it out with his tune, or you guys collaborated on this tune, mm-hmm. which you've titled Flux. Mm-hmm. And it features the piano part came from an I- idea of Daniel's, correct? Uh-huh. Or not? Because there's actually a hidden track on the album, or the last track is a live recording Right, of right. Daniel playing. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. Um, at the Weed Marks. We had a you know one of Daniel's um, workshops, and that's where we recorded that. And he asked me if I would write the lyrics, and I said yes. Will you play it again? And so I recorded what he was playing, so then I could write the lyrics over it. Um, but are we going to listen to the band? Or yeah, we, I yeah. think we'll hear, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll hear the full band track. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, if you get the album, you can hear the uh, you can hear. There's other versions of this song, There's too. There's three versions. Right. Uh, <laughs> Very different. Yes. One psychedelic version, and because uh, John wanted to Far put a, like a Leslie speaker on the on the keyboard, and that just creates a whole other effect with Joey's dobro with uh, some kind of crazy effect. I'm not sure what he used. That's the psychedelic version. And then we just had the pared down, like, more jazz standard-y uh, version that I think we're going to listen to with Eric Person playing saxophone on it who's uh you told us earlier who's he's a houston person's cousin cousin mm-hmm. saxophones we're talking just all kinds of family dynasties today mm-hmm. uh <laughs> kenneth, kenneth crouch, crouch yeah. uh, and christian McKinney's. mcbride yeah mm-hmm. yeah and he's on this track yeah. too mm-hmm. yeah his dad was a bass player dynasties all yeah. around christian mcbride's dad who yeah is, if i'm not mistaken name? smith yeah, yeah. I can't remember he's a bassist yeah mm-hmm. yep Excellent. Well, uh, for all our listeners out there, if, you, if you'd like to get in touch with us or be a guest on the show, you can reach us, San Diego Sessions Podcast at gmail.com. And you can find and purchase and listen to all of Sharon's music at SharonDubois.com. That's D-U-B-O-I-S, SharonDubois.com. And once again, thank you so much for coming in today. This was really fun. Oh, I've been honored to be here with you two crazy musicians. Ah. Appreciate it. We'll look at the truth as if it's an intrusion. Swirling in rivers of forward emotion. What looks to be simple is filled with commotion. Physical ages, but our spirit remains young. 
physical ages, but our spirit remains young. We wait for Christ. Oh, we wait for understanding. Listening to the San Diego Sessions podcast brought to you by Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. Please subscribe now on iTunes or listen online at dirtyboulevardrecording.com. Theme music composed by Ed Kornhauser, performed by Ed with Grant Fisher guitar, Harley Magzino bass, Ian Tordella saxophone, and Charles Weller on drums. If you'd like to be a guest on San Diego Sessions, please contact us. All musical selections are used by permission of the artists. San Diego Sessions is engineered and produced by Ian Tordella at Dirty Boulevard Recording Company.